The BC Maritime Employers Association and the International Longshore and Warehouse Union announced late yesterday they have come to a tentative agreement. Both sides are encouraging the respective members to ratify the agreement, even though there are no details uh, on this new deal. Now, the previous deal included an increase of 19.2% of wages over 40 years and a signing bonus of $3,000, which would mean uh, a unionized longshore worker's median annual wage would go from $136,000 a year to $162,000, not including pension and benefits. Now, hopefully there will be a deal because according to our next guest, there are bigger challenges at the Vancouver port. It's inefficient when you compare it to other ports globally. Joining me now to discuss the issue is Carlo Day, Director of the Trade and Investment Centre at the Canada West Foundation. Carlo, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be back on CKNW. Uh, I guess the first question is, this is a tentative deal, third time's a charm, some have said. Uh, uh, are you quite hopeful that this will be the deal and uh, we can go on and, and, and move forward from here? Well, certainly. You, know, you can't take third time's a charm type of uh, frameworks for dealing with something as critical to the nation. Um, as our ability to move goods in and out. Again, we rely on trade for two-thirds of our GDP uh, in this country. The Port of Vancouver is the largest port, arguably the most important one we have. So, yes, uh, one has to be hopeful, but hopefully we'll have more than hope. Uh, now, this deal, like m- many deals, uh, you know, it's always going to be about dollars uh, in regards to the contract itself. Um, others have said this is also a, a, about an existential issue, which is automation as well in this port. So there's a couple of things in, in this conversation. First and foremost, um, the, the the financial deal and also the time, a four-year deal. Um, is this, do you think, to a certain degree, will bring some surety, uh, some confidence uh, uh, for the port itself and for Canada that, look, we have a longer-term deal now and we can move forward from here and, and really focus on Uh, attracting new business? Certainly. And in attracting new business, you're not doing it in, or we're not doing it in a a vacuum. We're competing with other ports, certainly ports in North America, i.e. the U.S. West Coast ports. Now, the U.S. Union, the exact equivalent of the ILWU in Canada, they're they're U.S. brothers, um, just inked a six-year deal. So really, four years is the minimum, I think, that we can have if we want to maintain uh, hopes of being competitive with the Americans and protect not just job, but the dock workers' unions. Um, you know, you want to see business continue, and it is a competitive environment, and the Americans have, um, they're looking at a, a, a six-year deal. That's what's on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that our, our, our I guess, our, our, our competition right now is worrying about what they do in Seattle, what they do in Long Beach, Los Angeles. Um, in your mind, from what you can see, do you think we're competitive at this point? So the objective third-party data, the World Bank and Standard & Poor's have for several years now done a comparison of efficiency at container ports Uh, globally. And there's very, very sound methodology behind this. We, Canada West, have spent an hour um, with the report authors going through their data set, their methodology, etc. It's a very sophisticated operation. So this isn't subjective analysis or opinion. This is data. And according to that, um, 
Port of Vancouver ranked second to last globally in container port um, efficiency. Now, we need a whole nother show <laughs> to go into the methodology and then to disaggregate the data. But it's certainly alarming. Prince Rupert did better than Vancouver by four spots. So there's six from the bottom. Um, this objective measurement is is really troubling. No West, Court, no West Coast ports did well, but we're certainly down there um, close to the bottom globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and why is that in your mind, broadly speaking? Um, is it a lack of automation? Uh, is it... Um, you know, just their pinch points, uh, bottlenecks uh, in our trade, in movement of trade. What what are some of the broad reasons why we are inefficient? So there are specific instant, uh, issues around the port operation. The study measures of uh, the time it takes from when a ship electronically uh, by radio signal triggers its entrance into the area, the, the port area, the, 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 the anchorage, or the, whatever the area is for the port, till the time that the ship gives um, all clear and pushes off. And in there, the issue for us was port uh, anchorage wait times. Um, that was a major issue. But disaggregating it further, it appeared that part of the issue was containers being backed up. So ships were backed up at the port trying to move containers and that caused ships to wait longer. That's a really, really simplistic explanation, and it doesn't do justice. And I'm sure the people that did the survey would be kicking me under the table right now um, for that abbreviated explanation. But that gives you an idea. It's one of the factors where we really stood out in international comparisons. Mm -hmm. And as you said, Vancouver ranked 347th out of 348 when it comes to uh, sort of uh, the top ports in in the world. Um, now, McKinsey, the consulting firm, also did a report on port on ports as well. And what what can be gleaned from that? I think that report was in 2019. Yeah. So the interesting issue there is we think of automation in the popular sense as um, you know bringing in the robot and suddenly the whole plant um, is putting out cars faster and cheaper, but a automobile plant or a port are complex systems. You have inputs, outputs, you have many components, many different jobs working at the port. All that have to work harmoniously. Uh, I, I give the analogy of Charlie Chaplin and that uh, famous clip of Charlie Chaplin on the assembly line. It speeds up and things start flying all over the place. If you think about that with a complex system like the port, you realize that automation for the port means automation for the entire system. So everything from ships coming in, loading and offloading, drayage or moving items um, from containers when they're offloaded into trucks, transport or other things, and then further down the line, um, the rail system and the roads have to be equipped to handle the improved volumes. You also need new skills. It's not just that you lose 100 dock workers. You're suddenly in the market for, I don't know, 10, 20 systems engineers, computer engineers, uh, or, or robotics folks. Um, so the skill set changes as well, and you have to assure that you have people that can meet the new skills. And the McKinsey report showed that that tended to be a weakness in places that um, – 
did automation. It took a while for the entire system to catch up to some of the changes like uh, automated cranes or autonomous trucks. So uh, are, are these ports that are um, have been relying on automation, have moved towards auto- automation? I think the ports of Rotterdam, something of that sort, Singapore. Um, they're efficient, but it, it took a while to find that efficiency is what you're saying. I mean, you have to have the right people then. Correct, uh, correct. And I, I don't think this came as a surprise to anyone at the port but uh, or the ports that have done this. But I think the scope and the difficulty um, may have taken may have taken um, people uh, or, or some of the implementers back. Uh, 